You're listening to the Informational Interview 2.0 podcast. This is a podcast focused on how communications can spark innovation and career growth. Welcome to the Informational Interview 2.0 podcast. My name is Heidi Justo. And my name is Kevin Anselmo. And today we are having our third episode. We're going to go into what to avoid doing in resumes. And I always try to be very um, optimistic and I'm a very yeah. positive person and I try you to are. keep things very upbeat. But, but. I knew there, there are but. some things, <laughs> 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 there are some things that I see over and over again. And I think we, we agreed here that it was timely to talk about what are some things that, you know, mistakes you need to make sure you don't make in your resume or your CV because those mistakes can really be costly. Yeah. Let me, I'll share one thing for me that drives me crazy whenever, and this actually is true for, you know, any, any type of marketing writing, because as we said in the previous episode, it's a strategic marketing document. But that's kind of around like just ineffective writing. Uh, you, you use this example actually in the other article that you had written about optimizing your resume. And you gave the before and the after and the bullet points. And I'll just read that. I'll read, I'll read one and then I'll read two. So the before, instituted training protocols that clarified work processes. And then I'll read the after, reduced employee errors by 34% and improved employee confidence by 62% based on survey feedback. And, you know, there was no necessarily grammatical mistakes in the first one, but boy, the second one is so much more descriptive and appealing. And, you know, I would say the number one thing that I say in the type of uh, editing that I do all the time with, with my clients is what are the examples? What are the proof points? You know, don't be vague and generic. And I think that's like a great example of, of that in, in what you wrote about there. Yeah, yeah, the ineffective writing. I think we can, um, there's so many things that people people can point out as wrong about or bad about resumes, you know, the mistakes. And you, you, know, you don't want to have any major mistakes. You don't want any red flags. But the ineffective writing, I think, is something that we see so much. So some of the things that I'm sure you've seen it. So you've read a lot of resumes in your day. And I... Oh, I cringe when I see the ones that start with a long list of adjectives. Results-driven, team-playing, goal-oriented, professional <laughs> in the life sciences industry. Like, how many words did we have to get before we got to a noun? And then the noun that I was just waiting to read was professional? <laughs> I mean, some people just think that I don't know what to say, so let me just throw a bunch of adjectives before a word and, yeah. uh, in, in any sort of marketing content. And if you just see like a long list of adjectives, you know, high-ranking, leading, you know, <laughs> distinguished, blah, 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 it's uh, time to yawn and time to uh, <laughs> me as the reader and for you as the writer, it's time to uh, go back to the drawing board and look, hey, we've all been there before. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and for me, the other thing I would say is when I do see grammatical mistakes and, and maybe I'm a little bit more nitpicky on this as somebody who's a communicator. And of course, I've been guilty of being the communicator who makes very blatant kind of spelling mistakes before. So yeah, it happens uh, to us. Not, yeah, that, 
but on a resume, you should. You, there, there's really no excuse to have, especially for me at least. Uh, if I'm hiring someone or you know looking at some evaluating someone for a communications uh, related role, and for me, it often comes down to not doing a basic thorough edit. Um, and I don't know if you. I'm, I'm sure you've seen that. Yeah. We think we've said something, but we actually have not communicated that. Yeah, and a couple points about that. So, so with the idea of ineffective writing, to your point, when I think that example that you read, that one of the things that stands out is when people can give numbers. You know, when they quantify, it's just so much more specific. So, thinking about that and and making sure it's not just yeah this fluffy list of. You know, people call it fluff. Like, I don't want fluff, and I don't want keyword vomit either. That's what I call when, oh, there's all these keywords. I have business acumen. Yeah. Okay, great. You know, but but so when there's the, the writing just isn't clear, concise, compelling. Um, and to your point, the, the grammar. So there are two words, well, two word pairs that I see just time and again. And frankly, I'm not even sure if this really matters for most people because most people don't know the difference. But the two word pairs that I just cannot stand being wrong, lead and lead. Okay, so most people, I see very highly educated people, and it's lead the team, L-E-A-D. Yeah, yeah. And and that should be L-E-D. So for the 95% of the people out there who don't know the difference, you're fine. (laughs) But how about you, Kevin? (laughs) I would notice that. Exactly. And you're going to think, oh, communications professional. And you don't know LED. Yeah. And I would say one of the words that I see spelled uh, wrong in this case is the word manager, because a lot of times it becomes manger, right? And manger does not get picked up in spell check. And you can read it. And and it's one of those things where you can read really quickly. You've written the word, you think you've written the word manager, but it actually says manger. But, you know, for me, it just underscores the point of doing a really thorough edit. And for me, and it's the same thing. And again, you're the resume expert. I'm not, but I do, you know, do a lot of work in terms of copy, uh, written content. And for me, editing is about organizing, correcting, and condensing. And so, you know, the org- and I, you know, I imagine each of those, you can comment on each of these points, but as far as, as, far as yeah. it relates to the resume, but for me, like organizing your ideas, you know, you know, is your most important bullet point, you know, listed six instead of first, right? I mean, yep. different organization. <laughs> uh, correcting is just basically correct, you know, word choice as well. You know, not only we're we talking about ty- obvious typos and things like that, but, you know, do you have verb number one in your first bullet point and then you use that same, the same exact verb in the fifth bullet point, for example? kind of unexplicable oversight, but, you know, it, it is something that you can overlook and, you know, a thorough edit will, will hopefully help you to uh, recognize that. And then condensing, you know, less is more is always one of the things I'm, I talk about is, you know, can you say something in, in five words instead yes. of six words? Can you say something in one line instead of two lines? But well, isn't that strunk and isn't that strunk and white? The elements of style. I think that's where, at least that's where I got it. Really? Yeah. Don't say something in five words if you can say it in three. Okay. Uh, I just came up with those analogies, but yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that really, I want to say it's Strunk and White, which is still uh, just a foundational text that's, I think at this point, over a hundred years old. Mm. So I reckon to your point of the doing a thorough edit, if you haven't read a a book about writing and editing, 
I do recommend that one, Elements of Style. It's very, very short and, and thin, easy to skim through, and it's going to give the readers some of these things that you and I know we have to look for with, you know, not using the, the extra adjectives and adverbs and using strong verbs, not using wrong verbs. The other one that I hate and I see it all the time, insure versus insure. Mm-hmm. So insure, I-N-S-U-R-E, the only time you use that, only, 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 is when you're talking about insurance policies, home, auto, flood, yeah. renters, <laughs> not to make sure something happens. So versus I, see, I. <laughs> yes, so, so those, I, I see those a lot. One of the things, another thing that I really uh, see very frequently is inconsistency. So in, if this goes to this, the, the editing, good thorough edit. So, so one of the other mistakes to avoid is inconsistency. And what I mean by that is every single character space needs to be there for a reason. Yeah. And you need to pay attention to it. And what that means is I don't want to see dashes of different sizes. I don't want a long dash and the little end, the difference between the end dash and the M dash. I don't want those used sometimes within, you know, dates. I want it always the same. Your bullet points, they either need to have periods at the end or not. Right. So, so many things with resumes. Sure. are, are are arbitrary. We don't have as strict of rules of this is always how it has to be. Yeah. But a rule is you better be consistent. Absolutely. I just reviewed a document today, not a resume, but you know, it was a strategic document and the word policymaker was spelled three different ways. Policy, space, maker, policy, dash maker, and policymaker one word. All three of those I believe are technically correct. However, I said, look, let's be consistent. Can we pick one? Yes. <laughs> and that's the, that's the key. And that's, I think, yeah. important to talk about. I, I guess for you, kind of underscores the importance of making sure, I would assume, that you want somebody else to read your resume. Because a lot of times, we don't notice those little nuances. You use the long dash, and then you use a short dash. You're using inconsistent... Um, yeah, January versus Jan, period. Yeah. Or just Jan. Yeah. Or one. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. pick one, pick a style. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so absolutely. So with you your ideas of and I like this, I never thought about it this way, but organizing, editing, condensing, I'd add proofing to that. In my proofing process to, to help catch these inconsistencies, the ineffective writing, print it out. Absolutely. Something about you know, physical absolutely. in your hands. Yes. Um, and I would and I would add actually read it. I mean, you want somebody else to read it, I think, but also, and you know, I think you can keep this in mind for you know anything that you're doing written-wise, read it aloud. There's just yes. a difference. It's amazing. I mean, you don't need to you know scream from the rooftops, but you know, read it quietly aloud. And it is amazing how you know I, I will do that and I will notice that, oh wow, when I read this aloud, I, I realized that you know this word was was spelled wrong. Um, I also sometimes before I print it out, another thing that I personally do. It's a little annoying with a resume because of, of how things appear formatting wise, but I will adjust the font sizes. So, I, you know, I might all of a sudden, I'm looking at an 11 font, for example, I might jump that up to like a 28 size font 
and it just helps me to look at it. yeah it just helps me to see like uh, it helps me to look at things differently it's just kind of like an editing trick yeah. that, I, that i do for for all sorts of things i think again for resume writing it's it's a little trickier because the way things are formatted but for me when i see when i'm used to looking i've been looking at a, a, my computer screen i've been working on a document for hours just adjusting the font size always allows me to capture more things than i otherwise wouldn't capture if i just kept it at 11. Yeah, it, absolutely. Another trick that I have heard and, and have used, and, he, and it's, it is troubling a little bit with the resume because this is not a proof for the format, but change the font. Because anything you can do to make it look less familiar, yeah. you're going to catch things. And when you read it out loud, also read it in the most boring voice you can. <laughs> mm -hmm. So very like it's it's actually spending the time, look at every single word and read it intentionally because otherwise you're just going to read what you think is there. And that's what leads me to another strategy. We can really have a, a good conversation, a long conversation on proofing. I can tell. Um, if you can drag a friend or a spouse or a partner and have them read over your shoulder uh -huh. as you read aloud, because they can help catch you, help you catch some things as well. Yeah. One of the points that uh, you know I thought was really interesting that you made in your article about the mistakes to avoid in your resume, uh, and you know I think this might be a, a particular eye opener for individuals who suddenly find themselves needing to up find work because of the disruptions that have happened around us, and that is the fact that when you are sending a resume, you might not necessarily have a human being reading the resume for the first time, and that might be a little bit different than you know when you. You know, maybe last applied for a job 15 years ago, right? It, it's it's really fascinating to think about. You know, you you actually need to write for AI. You need to write for a robot. You know, on the same you know on the same token too. I just talked was right working on an article last year for Duke Corporate Education, and we were interviewing employers kind of about the recruiting processes to make sure that you know they were incorporating DNI in the appropriate way. And it was just interesting how. But from the employer point of view, they were using robots to make sure that the, the job descriptions were appropriate to for both genders. So, you know, we're seeing how AI is, you know, working in the you know recruitment process on both sides from the employer point of view and from the, the job seeker point of view. But maybe talk a little bit about advice you would give to someone who is looking for a job and needs to you know suddenly think about that they're they need to make sure that that robot understands their resume. Yeah. And so that's where some of the mistakes are is that they're the people aren't even realizing that it's not only people reading these so I don't want to go into an overwhelm with with a whole bunch of really detailed tips but just knowing that there are things called applicant tracking systems ATSs mm -hmm. and so we need to write knowing that these systems parse the resumes and they quote unquote read based on whatever parameters have been set by the employer for scanning for keywords. So that's why it is critically important for you to read the job description, print it out, use highlighters. I highlight and mark up job descriptions when I'm tailoring materials for clients. If you see the word project management six times in a one page job description. Uh -huh. You better believe that's probably going to be a keyword and I want to see it in the resume. Probably. How often, so how many, how many times do you think you need to see that word? 
if that's a hard one to say, but for me, if it's very prevalent in a job description and you can toss the job description in a word cloud and that gives you a visualization of which words are coming up the most, then almost to the point of the more the merrier. So in the summary, if there's a skills section and then in each job description, if you've done project management, I would be putting it in there because that can, that can really help. The other thing with tracking systems, and we have to have this balance of, you know, okay, people take about six to 10 seconds to read a resume. So I need to make it really visually appealing. I really need to guide the eye. You do want to guide the eye, but you want to do that in relatively simple formatting tricks, using bolding, some of the like border lines to help direct the eye where it wants to go, where you want it to go. Because tracking systems, a lot of them can't handle uh, lots of graphics. They can't handle logos. Or if you put them in, they're not going to be read. And then you're misusing space. You only have a couple pages. Why do you want to put stuff a whole bunch of stuff in there that might not be read. One of the biggest mistakes I see is people will contact me and they say, I haven't gotten any interviews. I don't know what's going on. And I look and the whole resume is constructed in a table (laughs) and you can't see the lines. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you have to literally be in the word document and some tracking systems can read tables and some can't. So there, so just knowing the, and I have another, I have a blog post on my, uh, on my blog uh, uh, about tracking systems that gives uh-huh. an overview. So really need, needing to be aware about the AI factors as well as the people factors where you're thinking kind of in billboard, like, oh, how do I grab their attention enough to get, have them give me a call? I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about strategy failure. Yeah, it, it goes back to what I've, I've said before of keeping the end in mind. And you're, if you want to think about as I'm the solution to their problem. So if they're looking for a leader and you are going to be leading people and you are going to have budget management responsibilities and your resume presents you as an exceptional technician. You really know your stuff. You are the best at what you do. And it shows nothing about how you lead teams or how you manage money or that you have a leadership philosophy. It's a failure of strategy. So you have to think, you know, it's not just making sure we have strong writing. It's not just making sure we have really strong, powerful, precise bullet points. It it is those things, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter if your bullet points are all about how you are the best in communications and you can write the best, most effective white papers and all this stuff about communications and you're applying for a director of communications role, then you have to show you can lead people, you can lead teams, you ha- you can have a vision and execute on it. So it's, it's really in that big picture sense, making sure you're pairing up that who you want to be known as with with what they need and what they're looking for. Yeah, great. You know, there's a lot of negativity out there and there's a lot of people who might be looking for a job and they might be feeling overwhelmed. Maybe I thought it'd be great to kind of conclude this episode by sharing a positive story of maybe that, you know, and maybe it was a different time period where there wasn't 
coronavirus disruptions. But you know that that individual that you worked with that was disgruntled, and you know the resume wasn't where it needed to be. Uh, you know, you mentioned someone who kept getting rejected and rejected and rejected. Maybe can you close out and just share an example of how structuring your resume the right way, communicating in a strategic way can lead to a really good outcome? I think this, uh, the example I'll share, it is a recent one. A person, he was, it was an unfortunate circumstance where his role was eliminated, um, not just because of a reduction in workforce, but because of a performance issue. And there is a backstory to it. It's always more complicated than, uh, than it might appear on the surface. And he was very proactive and he contacted me and we worked together through not just the resume, but the cover letter and LinkedIn and interview prep. So the resume is a part of this, but the idea of he was very motivated he was very proactive. He was doing everything that he could do. And ultimately, he ended up with three job offers. And he was able to negotiate. And he accepted. And he is starting in a few days from, from right now wow. when we're recording this. And so it's the resume is has a, has a lot of power to kill your chances. You know, if you yep. see the resume and it's I led L-E-A-D and there's a mixture of circle and square bullet points mm-hmm. and N dashes and M dashes and Jan and Januarys, that's, that can kill your chance. Call it fair, fair or not, but it, yep. those details can kill your chance. But if you have a well-written resume and you're doing all these other things right, it can accelerate your job campaign and you can get where you want to be. And, and there is still hiring going on now. Obviously, some, some sectors and industries are much more affected than others, but I have clients. I'm, I'm doing interview prep regularly, and this is not for theoretical interviews. This is for interviews that are happening you know, each and every day, even still in this time frame. Yeah. So my friends out there listening who might be in a situation where you're you know, concerned about what's next, don't overwhelm yourself with the negative headlines and listen to what Heidi says. Exactly. And maybe um, I'm a sucker for a good quote. And one of my favorite quotes is from Teddy Roosevelt. Do what you can, where you are, with what you have. The historian coming out of you, huh? I guess so. I love quotes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is fun. What's on tap for you uh, later on today? So uh, one of the things that I'm working on, I kind of alluded to it in a previous episode, is I'm working with a group of interns, a group of young students who are going through my interview and innovator course. And it's really been a lot of fun so far. I'm working with four different students, all remote, and they're doing the course, but then I'm also helping them on some of their personal things that they would like to, um, you know, enhance their skills in. And so we do, I do a weekly uh, individual call and then we do a group coaching call. And so I have some work to do in terms of uh, making sure that I'm using their time uh, wisely and making sure it's a great experience. So it's a lot of fun. That's wonderful. I'm sure they're grateful to have an internship at this time too. I, I'd like to hope. So. I'd hope so. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be editing this episode, so they can be. Uh... <laughs> 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 
some of them are going to be getting editing practice and practical experience in podcasting through their internship uh, in the next uh, you know day or so. So they will uh, be able to share their opinion at some point with me. <laughs> How about you, Heidi? What's the main thing on top for you? Uh, more one-on-one uh, -on -one client work. I have some clients who've been um, invited to submit a cover letter. So for some of the higher level, higher education roles, you first submit the CV and then you get invited mm -hmm. to submit a cover letter. So I'm working with someone on that and another person I'm working on there. CV and some more interview coaching and book editing. I do some business book editing and about networking yep. and, uh, and I'm working on a couple projects for that. So lots of variety, lots of fun. I love the variety in what I do. Amen. So we will put a bow on this episode and we will be back at you with our next episode in the very near future. If those of you listening have ideas of content you would like us to cover, please reach out, let us know. Uh, you know, you can follow us both on LinkedIn. Our LinkedIn profiles are in the show notes. Uh, love to hear your suggestions. We'll be coming at you with some other different types of content, some interviews and so forth. So look forward to being back in your earbuds in the near future. Until then, take very good care and so long for now. <laughs>